It's episode five of the Sided Podcast. Cameron is there with another new co-host. I told you guys it would be a revolving cast of hosts, and I'm not here to disappoint because I'm joined by Nick Zelaya, the first time that he's on the Sided Podcast. Nick, introduce yourself. What's going on, everyone? I'm Nick, like Cam mentioned. I'm 20 from Connecticut. Uh, I've got a couple siblings, a dog, a cat, and that's all you need to know about me. And you love sports and you want to get right to debating. Am I right about that? 99.9% right, yes. <laughs> and if you agree with Nick and you also want to get to debating, go to our website, sided.co. Also, we have an app. Download the Sided Debates app. Make an account. Get to debating because your topic could be talked about on this podcast. We've reached an entire hand of podcasts, Nick episode five and let's get right into it and we're going to start with the lakers the beloved lakers of us two because we're both laker fans but unfortunately the lakers are out of the playoffs and a big reason for that is the plethora of question marks that carried on throughout that team whether it be in the regular season or even into the first round of the playoffs and that brings up the first question on sided.co and on our app sided debates stir the pot posts what happened to the Lake Show this year? The options, injury, ego, bad coaching, leadership, players, or just the Phoenix Suns in that first round matchup. Nick, what are you giving me? Well, I could give all these excuses that Anthony Davis shouldn't have gone out there in game six to play. They should have let LeBron play. LeBron wasn't healthy. All of those excuses. But in reality, it was because the Phoenix Suns are a talented team. They are one win away from making the Western Conference Finals. They have a guy named Devin Booker. He's a few years older than me. What am I doing? I'm sitting in front of a couch, uh, house doing a podcast. Devin Booker's putting up 40 a night and getting buckets on the Lakers and now the Nuggets. The Lakers had no way to stop Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton just made the Lakers big men look like fools. Whether it was Anthony Davis, whether it was Marcus Saul, Montrez Harrell, DeAndre Ayton, was incredible, and they have the other weapons that can shoot. Mikel Bridges, Cameron Payne played excellent. They have so many different players on that team. The Suns are a dangerous team and legit two-seed, which is why they beat the Lakers with ease. Yeah, Nick, I'm going to disagree with you because I understand that the Phoenix Suns were so dominant, but I think it was because of the lack of camaraderie on the Lakers, and that's why I'm going to blame injuries. And a lot of the time, I don't want to blame injuries, but it looks like everyone on Sided is a majority 33% say so. If you want to go vote again, go on our website, Sided.co or our app. But I'm going to go injuries because that's what forced the hand of the Lakers to go get Andre Drummond, which really stirred things up. Next thing you know, Anthony Davis is struggling to play with Drummond at that four or five. And then the shooting, the woes just continued because these guys aren't used to a specific other guys that are passing them the ball. It's a weird thing in basketball, but when the same thing doesn't happen over and over again when there's no consistency, when it's not LeBron to Kuzma and Schroeder to Markeith. Next thing you know, uh, these guys don't have a lot of confidence letting the ball go out of their hands. And you saw that in the first round of the playoffs. You saw that in the regular season. A lot of the times it was different lineups on the floor every single game. And this Lakers team just didn't look like they were in sync with each other. And a big part of the playoffs, we've seen it from the Suns. Yes, I think the Suns are a talented team, but I think they're better than they are uh, than they are constructed because of the camaraderie of that group. So I'm going with injuries. Nick, you take the Phoenix Suns. You want to say one more thing on that? 
I forgot to mention Chris Paul. I forgot to mention that leader who was the reason that you've seen all these stats that he has led these different teams to so much success. And the Suns is just another example of that. And if we're talking percentages about sided, 23% of people pick the Suns. I might have to make a few injured accounts and bump that percentage up and get it to your injury percentage. So I'll be busy on that later. Yeah, again, if you want to go on sided, you can join Nick in that process. Make as many accounts as possible. Debate, debate as much as possible as well. Now, moving on, let's put two minutes on the clock. We're going to the charity stripe, and we're going to a question about the opposite coast of the NBA, and this is for the Boston Celtics. It's about Kemba Walker, Nick. Do you feel bad for Kemba? The options, yeah, he deserves better. Yeah, the injuries crushed him. Or no, he blew his chance to play for a contender after he left the Hornets. Or no, Celtics point guards are cursed. He shouldn't have signed there. So there's a lot of options to choose from courtesy of the charity stripe. Again, two minutes up on the clock. Nick, do you feel bad for Kemba? I do. He deserves better. And I don't think he got that with the Celtics. You saw Jalen Brown go down late in the season. That was an opportunity for Kemba Walker to step up. And I don't really think the Celtics did that. They tried to base their offense around Jason Tatum and let him put up 40, 50 a night, aside from maybe making Kemba that second option. And they just did not do that. This was a good team. They had a good three pair with a trio with uh, Kemba Walker, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and they just didn't give him the chance. He deserves better. He deserves to play for a real contender that's going to give him the chance. He was an all-star last season with the Celtics. So he is a very talented player still. He, his average for points dropped by a point since last season. He was an all-star last year, was not this year. He deserves better. He deserves to play for a team that is going to base their offense a lot around him, whether he's the second option or the third option that's still getting the ball. When you look at the Celtics, they have a couple other third options they look at. I don't think they wanted him really on the team, and he does deserve better. Nick, the Celtics are always a contender. This season, they were a contender, but they didn't reach up to their potential. I don't feel bad for Kemba Walker on the Celtics. I feel bad for Kemba Walker in the trajectory of his career. If you look at how it started, he wasn't just the, you know, the main player on the Hornets. He was the franchise. He became the franchise all-time leading scorer, and it seemed like he was there for five, six years. Like, how is that even possible? I feel bad that Kemba went into a situation where he only knows how to play hero ball and he only knows how to be the guy to drop 40 points a game and win in any respective circumstance. When he went to the Celtics, he had to learn to play in a system that was surrounded by other really good talent, a la Jason Tatum, even Jalen Brown at times. And he did not know how to be that ancillary option. He did not know how to just drop 15 points a game. It was either 25 or 30, and it was the Kemba of old, or it was 5 to 10 points. And next thing you know, we're looking at Kemba Walker as, is this guy really the superstar that we saw on the Hornets? He was a product of his circumstance, and that's where I feel bad for Kemba Walker. I don't feel bad that he's on the Celtics. That's a team that has the potential to contend. They just didn't reach that ceiling, in my opinion. Now, next topic, Nick, we're going to college basketball. We're staying on this basketball trend. I know that I'm a big fan, and I know that you are the same. So while I stay on this trend, first episode of the Sided Podcast, number five, Overall, we're going to college basketball. Cited college basketball posts this with Coach K and Roy Williams retiring from both Duke and North Carolina, respectively. John Calipari will be the new face of college basketball. Now, that's a that's a tall, uh, uh, that's a hefty statement. That's a hefty statement. 
it's also a big position to fill knowing that Williams and Krzyzewski were there for 40 plus years in the respective programs and pretty much led the entirety of the recruiting group, whatever it may be. Guys just gravitated toward them because of the history of the program. So are you agreeing with this statement that John Calabari will be the new face of college basketball? Or are you disagreeing with it? Two minutes on the clock. I'm disagreeing with it. While John Calipari is a fantastic coach, for me, it's Bill Self. If you're going to name someone to be the face of college basketball, it's Bill Self. And the reason I say that is because John Calipari, he has been very inconsistent with Kentucky recently over the last few years. We haven't been seeing them in the tournament as a top seed like we're used to. When you look at Kansas, yes, they might not have the five stars in the entire starting lineup, but they're consistently a three, a four seed in the tournament. They're winning games. They're winning the Big 12. They have this competition with Baylor, which is really fun to watch. They're beating Baylor when they're the number one seed. Bill Self is a fantastic coach and knows how to put a good group of guys together that will go far in the regular season and then in the tournament. I can look at guys like Jim Beheim, but he's going to be gone in a couple of years so for me it's bill self also john calipari and kentucky are losing out on guys that are deciding to go to the g league the overtime league there's these other routes they are not going to decide to go to kentucky and be a one and done when they can make five hundred thousand dollars in an actual league and then go to the nba nick you're forgetting a name and although it might seem like this guy is really new in the in the success realm of coaching he's been doing it for a while and it's a guy named mark few Gonzaga all of a sudden is turning into is turning itself into its own blue blood program if I told you Mark Few has been at Gonzaga for over 20 years you'd be like wait a second he was the coach during that 2000 and 2010 decade yeah and Gonzaga had a lot of success you really didn't see it because the conference that they played in we understand the West Coast Conference isn't really anything and when you get to the tournament that's when it's mattered. But Mark Few is turning this Gonzaga program into not just an up-and-coming group, but also paving the way for there not to even be a face of college basketball in the coaching sense. I mean, you look at Nate Oates in Alabama. You look at the, the team in Baylor and Scott Drew that just won. It seems like these dark horse programs, even these dark horse coaches or guys that have been coaching for a while and bringing success to the program over the past five to 10 years are starting to become the new faces of college basketball. It almost seems like there isn't one, you know, de determined face of college basketball. There's not just one. So do you agree with that, Ned? Because I think that because Krzyzewski and Roy Williams are gone and because Duke and North Carolina aren't the programs that they used to be. I don't think that there's one sole face in the coaching, uh, you know, in the coaching world that represents college basketball. I can agree with that. And, but the one thing I would say is why I would say no to Mark Few is because he hasn't won a championship. And if you look at someone who's the face of college basketball, you want to see someone that can succeed, not just in the regular season, but in postseason time when it counts. And yes, Mark Few has led Gonzaga to a couple undefeated seasons. They have yet to win in the championship. And that's the one thing that holds me back with Mark Few. And yeah, when you look at the trajectory of college basketball as a whole, I don't think there's really a face of college basketball at this point. And we might not have that for a few years. I, I completely agree with that. And right now, 55% of people on Sided disagree with us. So if you agree with me and Nick on this point, go to Sided, make an account, Sided.co, our website, the app Sided Debates, and start pressing that disagree button if you agree with us and get that majority, you know, toward, toward our sense. Now let's move away 
from basketball and we're going to go to football and we're going to take it right back to the west coast we started with the lakers let's transition over to the rams matt stafford was just traded in a big blockbuster deal to get rid of jared goff and send him to detroit and send matt stafford the veteran of the lions over to the la rams to play in sofi this season and all of a sudden matt stafford is starting to become this new king of la in the Rams organization, even though it's a guy that hasn't had a lot of success in Detroit over the past five to 10 years, it seems like he's deserving a lot of unwarranted praise, but it could be warranted in the end. As Max uh, McElroy says, Matt Stafford doesn't deserve the praise he gets. So he believes that. Nick, are you agreeing with Max or are you saying that Matt Stafford does deserve this high praise? Well, I'm agreeing with Max. Max, me and you are buddies. We agree on this. He doesn't deserve the praise. And a big reason is because he doesn't deserve the praise, but the Rams should deserve the praise. And everyone's focusing on only Matthew Stafford. Oh, he's the savior of the team. Yes, he's the quarterback, but I think it's the weapons around him that make this a very good team, especially in the NFC West, which is, in my opinion, the best division in football and in the entire NFC conference. Because when you got guys like Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, now Deshaun Jackson, and then Cam Akers, Darrell Henderson, who for me personally, I had a couple of good weeks with Darrell Henderson on my fantasy <laughs> team last year. Went downhill after that, but he had a couple of good weeks. Cam Akers is a strong guy in the backfield. I think the Rams have enough weapons on both offense, and then they have one of the best players in the entire league, and Aaron Donald on the defensive side. There's enough talent on the team to be a Super Bowl contender, but to say the reason is Matt Stafford, I agree that he doesn't deserve all this praise. The reason is Matt Stafford. Jared Goff needed to get out of L.A. because it's a guy that after, you know, he made his way up to the Super Bowl and had one of the worst Super Bowl performances out of any quarterback that I've ever seen or even in Super Bowl history. Three points. Are you kidding me? L.A. needed to get rid of Jared Goff and whoever they got back, give him as much praise as possible because whoever it is, if he can drive a team like you mentioned with so much talent, that's what matters. And you get an experienced guy like Matt Stafford who needed to get out of Detroit because, again, he was a product of the system, just like we mentioned earlier with Kemba Walker. Matt Stafford isn't that bad. Look at his stats over 4,000 yards passing in what the last three, four, five, six seasons. Yes, his interceptions are a bit high. He can get that down in LA. And that's why I think putting him in a new system, putting an experienced and veteran quarterback into a group with so much potential, the highest ceiling, I think, in the NFL. Now, two minutes on the clock for our fifth and final topic before our final debate of the day. And we're staying in the NFL. We're staying with quarterbacks, Nick. And it's a guy that went from the New York Jets over to the Carolina Panthers. You know his name. Most people know his name because he used to be a, or he is a former top five pick. It's Sam Darnold. So again, two minutes on the clock. Jason's question is, will Sam Darnold succeed with the Carolina Panthers? Nick, what are you giving me? Yes or no? No. No, I am against Sam Darnold and no disrespect to Mr. Darnold. I mean, he was the he was number three, correct? Number three pick in the 2018 yes. draft. Yes. Number three. So the guy had plenty of talent coming out of USC, but it just hasn't translated to the NFL one bit. And you've had, I, he does not have the weapons on the Jets. Don't get me wrong. He does not have the weapons. He has some guys such as Robbie Anderson, a former Jet on his team now. He's got DJ Moore, obviously Christian McCaffrey, one of the best running backs. But I just... 
don't think it's there. I don't think the talent is there. Something about me, you look, you look at his numbers and they're just not the greatest from over the past couple of years with the Jets. I mean, this past season, 2,200 yards, nine touchdowns, 11 interceptions. If you're a team trading for him, I don't know why you look at those numbers and feel like you're going to have a good season. Teddy Bridgewater was not that bad. With Carolina, he's on the Broncos now, which I have some strong feelings about a little quarterback competition. But with the Panthers, I am I'm iffy. I'm iffy about Sam Darnold playing for the Carolina Panthers. Well, the Carolina Panthers are going to go as far as Christian McCaffrey takes them. I don't think a lot of people remember, but Robbie Anderson was on the Jets. And what did Sam Darnold do with Robbie Anderson? Exactly. Now that Anderson is in Carolina, it didn't matter at all. Because Sam Darnold, and you said no disrespect. Full disrespect on my end to Sam Darnold. He is awful. He is god-awful, in my opinion. If you look at his stats, under a 60% completion rate in three seasons for a top three pick in the National Football League, on top of that, in his three-year career, 45 touchdowns, 39 interceptions. He is not good enough to be a backup quarterback. This is a third-string guy that is now thrown into a situation where he can flourish because of the guys around him. And I still think he's going to blow up that Carolina Panthers organization. I have no faith in Sam Darnold. I don't know why the Panthers have faith in Sam Darnold. I feel bad for Carolina. To all you Carolina fans listening, I am so sorry. Teddy Two Gloves was not what you expected him to be, but you just downgraded by 15 sizes going to Sam Darnold. Full disrespect to Darnold. He is if, a not if, good quarterback. If the Panthers should get one quarterback, it should be that man, Tyrod Taylor. <laughs> I, want your, I want your thoughts later on that, Cam. I think that Sam Darnold is just as good as Tyrod Taylor with a busted lung. That's just that's just in my opinion. Fair point. But we're we're going to head to our final debate, and uh, this one is about celebrations. And I feel like we did celebrations a couple episodes to, uh, ago, but it's always fun to talk about because baseball is finally becoming entertaining. And that's what we love as baseball fans. We're going to put on the debate today. Tommy, it's courtesy of you. Thanks for posting this one because I wanted this one on our website, cited.co or app cited debates. And it's about Jock Peterson in the last series when the Cubs, uh, they ended up sweeping the Padres in that series. Jock Peterson hit a home run off of, I think it was you Darvish. And when he's rounding the bases, he got to third base and did the Tatis hop step. And that's something that has been, you know, coined by Tatis, what he does on his home run trot. And Nick, that's why I want to send it over to you with one minute on the clock. Jock Peterson's home run trot, rounding the bases, imitating Tatis. Is it something that's disrespectful or just fun? You see the options on your screen. Nick, pick one of them, but just explain your thoughts. Disrespectful. That's fun. That's making baseball fun. If I were to pick a, if I were to pick an option, Tommy, I'm going to use some PG terms here. That should fire you up to get back at that mock hit, some home runs, and kick some butt. We're not going to use the ASS word on the sided podcast. That should fire you up if you're the Padres. You see that? That should. If you're Fernando Tatis, get up there and hit a 500 foot home run. Point at Jock Peterson in the outfield. Do something to get back at him. This is fun for baseball, and we've been seeing a lot of different types of celebrations throughout the season as fans come back in the stadiums. I think it's a good thing for the league. Obviously, viewership had been 
going down with how long they're trying to speed up the game a bit. I think celebrations are great for baseball. Keep it up. Keep up these types of rivalries. I really like it. I'm a Padre fan. I love it. I think that this should motivate the Padres. And you've seen their recent form. It really didn't motivate them. And that's why they got swept by the Cubs. So they almost deserve this mockery that Jock Peterson, um, you know, brought upon them at Petco Park. I think it's great. The game needs more of this. Whether it be individual rivalries or getting back at a player. Let's say the Cubs play the Padres again. Tatis hits a home run and he can mock Jock Peterson. I think it's amazing. Baseball needs it. It needs to become more entertaining. And I think baseball is moving in the right direction, you know, past this season and seasons to come because of individual players finally being able to market themselves within the game bypassing all of the MLB's rules and Rob Manfred trying to destroy it in the process. That's it. That's uh, that's episode five of the Sided Podcast. Cameron Ezer, Nick Salaya. We've reached a full hand. If you're listening to this on Spotify, you can't see it, but we're holding up our fives right now because we finished five episodes through the Sided Podcast, but we can't wait to give you more content in the future. And you don't have to wait much longer to hear us again. We'll catch you next time. We'll <laughs>